0: Hello and welcome to Monaco's food and drink show, The Menu. I am Markus Hippi. In the next 30 minutes, we head to Vienna to sample some of the best Austrian wines.
1: Many people think of Austria as the Grüne Veltliner country and especially whites, but I think it's important to note that the reds are becoming more and more interesting and that's happening with many grapes. And to me, the key fine wine, red wine grape for Austria is Blaufränkisch.
0: Then French top chef broadcaster and cookbook host, Cyril Lignac, explains what made him one of the best-known chefs in his home country.
2: My manager is a Londoner, and it's great because, you know, it's the mix. This is the heart of my restaurant, it's the mix. With the Londoner, the French people, the sommelier, the chef, the pastry chef.
0: All that to the week's headlines and a dinner soundtrack recommendation ahead on this edition of The Menu here on Monaco 24 First today we head to Vienna to drop in at the country's leading wine fair, Vienum. This annual get-together showcases Austria's top producers where standout indigenous grape varieties such as Grüne Veltliner and Plau Frankisch are poured for members of the wine trade, eager to find the best of the recently released vintages. Winemakers were also busy at the fair showing off a new vineyard classification system to give consumers a better understanding of the world of Austrian wine. Monaco's Ivan Cavaglio visited the fair.
3: Vienna's Hofburg Palace is a grand venue in the heart of what was once the capital of the Habsburg Empire. Today, its opulent rooms play host to Austria's top wine producers. 500 wineries gathered at Vivienum to present their latest releases. And when the conversation turns to Austrian wine, one grape takes pride of place. Gruner Bettlinger. One with a firm grasp of this indigenous Austrian white varietal is biodynamic winemaker Herbert Zillinger.
4: Now, what we have in the glass is our most important wine. It's called Horizont. It's a selection from different vineyards from all types of our soils, from Loess, loam, and lime sandstone. For me, it's a kind of liquid missus card, a wine which shows very much from our region, from our soils, from our terroir, and from our philosophy. It's a selection from different vineyards in the best age. The vineyards are 10 to 25 years old. A wine which is very important for different restaurants, often used as wine by the glass. If we have the chance to have perfect, balanced grapes, we do not need to do anything in the cellar. And that's what we are looking We don't want to manipulate the wine in the cellar. We are working very much in the vineyard with the soil to get these well-balanced grapes.
3: After tasting wines from Zillinger's vineyards, which are close to the Slovakian border, I venture west to the Kamtal region at the stand of Schloss Gobelsberg, a producer with an impressive pedigree. The 850-year-old winery is run by Michael Musbrugger.
4: What I'm pouring now is Riedgrub, which is one of the greatest vineyards in the Austrian Kamtal appellation. The Danube area in Austria is one of the sweet spots for the grape varieties of Kruna Veltina and Riesling. When you come to this area, you instantly identify two general types of vineyard sites. So on one side terraced vineyards along the Danube and the side rivers of the Danube, which are very dry and high mineralization in the soil, so which is ideal for Riesling production. On the other side, you find vineyards based on loess, on clay, so vineyards with good water supply to the wines, which is ideal for the Austrian grape variety of Grüner Weltliner.
3: Musburger is also president of the Austrian Traditional Winemakers Association, where a movement is underway to classify the nation's vineyards to help drinkers identify areas where varietals have traditionally been grown.
4: In Austria, we have developed uh, an appellation system that is quite similar to Burgundy. You know, We are differentiating between three categories of wines. The regional expressions, the village expressions, the single vineyard expressions. And Ried is the typical historical term to indicate a single vineyard in Austria. So far, we have been classifying about uh, 15% of the Austrian vineyards and uh, we are trying to give the consumer on an international level an orientation system in the multiple names of Austrian single vineyards.
3: Happy to be out and about tasting again were wine critics and trade, including Mark Almert, sommelier at Zurich's Hotel bar Olac.
1: There were more or less three main trends that I really enjoyed a lot. One of them was sparkling wine, the Zekte, which by now already every tenth bottle of Austrian wine is a Zekt, which I think is a key fact to remember. And it's fascinating because they have high and high quality with longer lease aging, but also slightly larger variety than many sparkling wine producing countries because they have so many different grape varieties which they turn into Zekt. And I think that's really interesting category. The second trend I think we see in many countries, but of course also in Austria, is a push for more sustainable, more organic and more biodynamic wine. There was even a single hole just for all the Demeter, so biodynamic certified producers, and that's something which I think is a great uh, influence also on the not yet certified producers, because many of them were mentioning that they're going to transvert soon. Third trend, many people think of Austria as the Grüne Fettliner country, and especially whites, but I think it's important to note that the reds are becoming more and more interesting, and that's happening with many grapes. And to me, the key fine wine, red wine grape for Austria is Blaufränkisch.
3: Turning to red grapes and Blaufränkisch, I met up with Birgit Braunstein, who works organically making naturally fermented wines from different soils. Winemaker maker Birgit Braunstein.
5: So what you taste now, it's Blaufränkisch Dinau. Blaufränkisch is our most important varietal in my place. I'm coming from the area Leiterberg, which is an awesome wine-growing area. And Tenao, it's my eldest Blaufränkisch vineyards. The wines are more than 65 years old. So the eldest Blaufränkisch vineyards we have. It is a small berry, loose bunch, Blaufränkisch, and it gets a lot of tannin and rich structure. And the Leiterberg area I'm coming from, Kurbach is the small village, has a lot of chalky limestone. So the area has schist and chalky limestone. As a winemaker, when you have a wish, I would wish myself chalky limestone or schist, And we see sí, I'm lucky because we have both. So the structure, the tannin and the Blaufränkisch, frankish but there is the mineral, elegant taste of the terroir.
3: Moving east from Brownstein's estate, I find more delicious Blaufränkisch from the Spitzerberger region at the stand of producer... Dorley-Muir.
4: So, I make my wines on the most eastern part of Austria on a hillside that is called Spitzerberg, which geologically actually belongs to the Carpathian Mountains. It's pure limestone, very dry, with very hot summer days, very cool nights. So, all that together makes the wines very intense in fruit, with a very refreshing acidity, and never too high in alcohol. So, it's a really elegant. And I call them like a prima ballerina who makes pirouettes. So all the energy goes up like in a vertical way, like a gothic cathedral.
3: Like the impressive architecture of the Hofburg Palace, the red and white wines at Vivienum made a lasting impression on visitors. From Monocle in Vienna, I'm Ivan Carvalho.
0: Thanks to Ivan for his report. Up next to the week's food and drink headlines, here is Monaco's Lillian Fawcett.
6: Ukraine has called for an international naval mission to allow grain exports through the Black Sea, as a months-long Russian blockade of Ukrainian seaports prevents shipments of wheat, corn and oil. Ukrainian diplomat Yevhen Sunbaliuk made the demand after talks between Russia and Turkey to restart the exports ended without a breakthrough. Many countries in the Middle East and Africa rely on Ukraine for their food supply, and global food prices have soared since the war began. The Russian company set to replace McDonald's in the country has revealed its new logo ahead of its reopening on Sunday. The design features two lines and a circle, said to represent a burger and fries, on a green background. McDonald's announced it would leave Russia after the invasion of Ukraine, and a Russian businessman has since bought its restaurants. Londoners love to complain about the price of a pint, long seen as a benchmark for the cost of living in the British capital. Now they'll have even more reason to moan, as new data from industry tracker CGA shows that across the UK the average price of a pint of beer has gone up more than 70% since 2008. That's a bigger rise than average inflation over the period. And Australian singer and winemaker Kylie Minogue has launched her best-selling wine in the United States after it proved to be a hit in the UK and international markets. Since its launch two years ago, the eponymous range has sold more than 5 million bottles.
0: Thanks, Lillian. You are with The Menu on Monocle24. Cyril Lignac is a French chef who is a big deal in his home country but less known internationally. In France he became famous for his cooking show, We oui Chef, some 15 years ago, which led into him opening his first restaurant. And since then he has received a Michelin star, launched a number of restaurants, released books and has also returned to television. His first restaurant outside of France opened in London last year. It's called Bar de Prères and that's what brought Cyril also to our studios. He joined me to discuss the challenges he faced when opening his new business and to explain what has made him so successful.
2: I was born in the South of France. And my mother works in the hospital. I live in a countryside and it was very important to have the traditional dinner at home. And you know, with my sister and my mother, prepare the dinner or the lunch or the weekend with the really traditional French recipes. And I dislike school. I don't know how can to move out to school and you know in France the traditional job is the chef or cook and I study and I improve to cook and learn with the chef close to my home and after I discovered a passion about the um, vegetable and meat and French tradition and and I growing up with this.
0: And then quite a few years later you actually ended up working On a television show. So can you tell us how that happened?
2: After working in the Aveyron is the countryside where I born. I decided to move to Paris because, you know, for us, living in the countryside, Paris is like my American dream. And okay, I said, I leave home. I try to go to Paris and try to have another chef. And I met Alain Passard, three Michelin stars, and I work with him. And after I worked with Pierre Armé in the pastries, the most, for me, best pastry guy in in the world. And I worked with him. And after one time, I worked in my first place of chef. And the BBC, the boss of the BBC friends came and said... uh, I want to have you in the TV show, and I said, "No, you know, uh, I'm very shy. Uh, you know, I born in a, in the countryside. I don't know this world." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's you. I think it's you." And you know, it's crazy. I did the Naked Chef, the television show of Jamie Oliver in France, produced by the BBC,
0: and it was known as We Chef.
2: Yes, the name of We Chef, and I opened my first restaurant with 12 students. And after five years, I had my mission stars and the story is beginning.
0: How important do you think it was for your career and for your success that French people recognized you from television?
2: Oh, I think it was the first real show like that in France because before, you know, the French is very late than UK and, uh, you know, because in UK there are a lot of TV show. And uh, in French, it was like the old show with just a French chef explain in front of the camera how can it's possible to make a poulet roti, for example, chicken roasted. And now it was really different because they opened the door into the kitchen and everybody discovered... How is it possible to open the restaurant, you know, with the stress and how is possible to work with the architect, the choose of the plate, the wine and whatever. And it was the first time in France. Five million people watched this TV show. It was an amazing show. And after I'm taking off.
0: I think it's interesting that you talk about, you know, what the idea was, how chefs were presented on television in France, for example. I'm also wondering how much times have changed ever since. Obviously, there's always this idea that the French are very proud of the French cuisine. But, but how domestic and how local is it still? Is it getting more international? <laughs> oh, you know. Tell me about how you the know, French are um, viewing, I, viewing the food of the world.
2: I arrived in London like uh, one year when I opened my restaurant. And, you know, everybody said like this. Said, the French people is like, uh, you know, for the food, is the best of the world. And, you know, very proud of this. Well, but, it is pretty good. Yes. But, you know, in the world, me, I said, because I'm a new generation of French chef. And I said, you know, everybody in the world know and cook very well. For me, in every country, there are the best chef in England, in London, Claire or Gordon Ramsay or whatever, cook very well, you know. But for me, everybody said France is the best country for the kitchen because it's our tradition. But I prefer to stay very humble, and I said, you know, in the world there are a lot of best chefs, not only in France,
0: for sure. How has your style of cooking evolved over the years? How has it changed?
2: Oh, I have many styles because before I had Michelin stars since eight or nine years and after i decided to change and uh, getting out the mission style you know and opened some restaurants with different food and influence and for me i need that because i'm very happy when i cook italian style in my restaurant in paris I'm very happy to, in Bar de Pre in London, prepare some Japanese and raw food mixed with the French style, pomme dauphines or steak, cook with the spicy, you know, and the pastry because I have five pastries shop in Paris. But I'm happy when I move between some style of food. Yesterday I had a, a dinner for uh, Longchamp or for Saint Laurent or for the big brand in France and I changed, you know, my style. Because I'm free, it's really comfortable for me.
0: How important is it for a chef like you to travel around the world Mm -hmm. and actually see different cuisines and see different restaurants and different ways of doing things?
2: I just travel between London and Paris. I just travel in the world because I have five restaurants in Paris, five pastries, TV show, one restaurant in London. And I just want to stay between London and Paris because I love London. Really. It's so close to Paris and so different than us. And me, I'm, I said, new generation of chef. I noticed the old, you know, old recipe, old things. And I love London because there are a lot of restaurants, a uh, lot of chefs, and amazing produce. I love the cheddar, the cheese in England is amazing. And nobody knows, you know, last time in France, I said... Look at this cheese, it's amazing. And I go to Borough Market and I saw the lot of producer and I'm in love of England and of produce of London.
0: I think it's quite rare to have a Frenchman in the studio praising British ingredients. I thought it would go the other way around. I would imagine that you would be saying that the French produce is better.
2: No, no, because I said in France, we have the good produce, but in England, yeah, the good produce also. Not is better than another one, you know? Because in France we have a good cheese, because in England we have a good cheese as well. We have a good vegetable in France, we have a good vegetable in London, in England, and I work for the lamp come from England, and in my restaurant in London, I don't cook the French lamp, I choose the lamp in England, because I love this traditional. You know, me, I have a chance to born in, in the countryside, and improve to respect the people work in this country. And when I arrive in London, I work with the scallops, an amazing scallops, dover sole, lamps, cheese, and whatever. And, you know, I know some French chefs sometimes said, okay, I'm arriving in London and I choose the lamb in the South of France because it's the best. I'm not agree with this mm. because when you arrive in this country, if you are a good chef, you can cook with the produce on this country. It's just a respect about this country. It's not a respect about this producer. And me, I cook this in the Bar de in London. It's really different than Bar de in Paris.
0: Well, I was just going to ask about Bar de in, in London, your restaurant you opened last year. How would you describe the concept?
2: Okay, we have a both situation. Firstly, we have, for starter, you know, the raw food but before it's like the scallops with passion fruit and spicy and some sushi or some California. I have my specialty. It's like the galette with the crabs and avocado on the side and, uh, you know, lemon and coriander. And downstairs, I have my kitchen and I cook some beef with satay or pomme dauphine is the French style or vanilla. Mashed potatoes, because it was my first uh, side in my uh, Michelin star restaurant. And all of the people like that because, you know, vanilla in the mashed potatoes. Are you crazy or what? (laughs) And I said, you know, because vanilla is like for us with sugar, but it's not. Vanilla is good with olive oil.
0: Never tried.
2: Yes, because, for example, at your home, you buy some shrimp, you cook the shrimp, you prepare some olive oil lemon juice and vanilla just the salt a little bit paper and you put in under the shrimps with uh, lettuce and avocado is amazing but try and don't say vanilla inside you just try to say okay what do you smell what do you think about and after you call me and i think you were very surprised
0: <laughs> i will call you i'm wondering It's an interesting time for you to open a restaurant in London. You did it last year, and there's been a lot of concern in this country about the effect of Brexit, for example, and also what it has done to the reputation of the UK and London. And also, obviously, the pandemic was still raging when you opened your restaurant. How easy was it to open a place over here? Or did you have any doubts at that point?
2: Yes, you know, it was very complicated, like everybody, and hers as well, but... My pleasure to go to London is better than a pandemic, you know, because, okay, it's difficult. And the life is not easier when you involve your money, when you engage your time and your passion. And yes, it's difficult with the Brexit and after the pandemic. But I find some chefs and waiters and sommeliers would like to walk with me because, you know, in London, there are a lot of French people and my manager is a Londoner. And it's great because, you know, it's the mix. And this is the heart of my restaurant, is the mix. With the Londoner, the French people, the sommelier, the chef, the pastry chef. My pastry chef is a woman, she's from France. And my chef is from Newcastle. And you know, it's great because with the accent, we, he explained to me some produce and I'm very interesting about it. And I'm very curious because it's the heart of my job and I'm very happy. It's hard, really, but I'm very happy. I'm a lucky guy to have a restaurant in London.
0: And I can feel your enthusiasm. I'm wondering, what is your experience like at the moment? Do you think the customers in London are different, very different from the customers you get in Paris? Are these audiences very different, if we look at culture?
2: For me, it's really different. The market in London is really different than Paris because in the heart of London, in Mayfair, the competition with the restaurant is very hard. And we have to keep pushing at an amazing level because... In London, there are a lot of amazing restaurants close to the body preyy but I like it because I need to keep pushing some new recipes and new style every time but it's okay for me yeah
0: I'm wondering what kind of plans do you have for the future now any dreams at the moment or any more concrete plans for the future what's happening later in 2022
2: After the body preyy in London you know I have five pastries in Paris very successful. And I just opened the new shop in Saint-Tropez, in the south of France. There are a lot of English people in the Saint-Tropez come to my uh, pastry. And everybody said, when you open the pastry in London? But I know it's really difficult because some French <laughs> came back to Paris. But I think there are a place to have a pastry in London. And it's my dream to open the French pastry in London. And in our team, there are a lot of Londoners and they said all the time, we would like to have croissant and pain au chocolat and cake. And it is really my dream. I'm working on it to open the bakery, pastry, chocolate shop in London.
0: I'm wondering if you were to open a place like that, where in London would you like to have uh, this?
2: I think I would like to open in Chelsea, you know, because Chelsea is really family style. And uh, close to the South Can, some French people as well. You know, I need to beginning, I need to have a little bit French support, you know, like in Body And after, the Londoner comes, you know, but my dream is to have a mix because I love talk with the Londoner because it's this country. And I don't want to work just with French people. I send you some chocolates. And you try, it and after you tell me if I can open the chocolate shop and, uh, and the cake in London or no.
0: You're asking for my approval. Jill. <laughs> French chef Ziriliniac there. And that's all for this edition of The Menu. Remember that we are back with a new episode again on Friday at twenty hundred London time. That's at midday if you're listening in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, do check out our menu, Spill of Show, Food Neighbours for Great Recipes. This show was edited and mixed by David Stevens and I am Marcus Hippi. Once again, we finish this program with a Dinner Soundtrack recommendation. Here is Daft Punk with One More Time. Thanks for listening.